The first reading this morning is from Genesis 22, which, if you'd like to follow along, is on page 18 of the Bibles in the seats. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only, your only son, sorry, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as an offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood. He brought, brought his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you 
and I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of their enemies. And by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth gain blessings for themselves, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. A second reading from the letter of James, chapter 2, and that's verses 21 to 24, and you can find that on page 227 of the Bible. Was not our ancestor Abraham justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was brought to completion by the works. Thus the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Let's start with a quick prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for your presence with us. I pray that you will speak into our lives through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. When our oldest boy, Daniel, was still a baby, we went to look around Blenheim Palace, and I thought optimistically that he would be captivated by the place. I mean, why wouldn't he? But being stuck between two tour parties in that great house, with Daniel showing total disregard for the Van Dykes on the wall, was an experience I will not forget in a hurry. What it did, though, that day was focus my mind on simple things because they were all that I could take in. And I remember going to the, um, the tourist shop that was there and reading the cards and mementos, and they had simple, funny phrases on them. And that day, all those years ago, I wrote down those phrases. And let me just read out to you two or three. The first one that really struck me was this. If at first you don't succeed skydiving is probably not for you. The second one was, the deadlines for complaints was yesterday. The third one was, my wife said I never listen. At least I think that's what she said. And finally, my favourite was this, many people have eaten my cooking and have gone on to lead normal lives. And so, thinking about simple phrases this week, the one that stuck in my head as I studied this passage and that Roland and I corresponded about was the phrase, here I am. And it's a phrase that Abraham uses three times in the passage that we've read this morning. And so during the 
um, series that we've been doing on Abraham in the 11 a.m. services, we've been looking at a, a key question that we can take away with us that hopefully will be helpful throughout the week. And so here is a question I just want to pose for us this morning as we look at this passage. And the question is, how can we say, here I am, in obedience to the Lord this week? And I'll keep coming back to that phrase and question as we go through the passage. Because our text this morning is a tough one. It seems to me puzzling and at times outrageous, this narrative. In which God tells Abraham, the man whom he's invested so much, to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And this request seems in direct contradiction to everything we know about the God of creation, the God of abundant love and all his promises in Genesis. It's puzzling for us. Goodness knows what it was like for Abraham. And so we'll look at this together very briefly in in four sections. And if you'd like to to follow it, it's on page 18 of our our Bibles. And these are the headings I just want us to to briefly look at it. Firstly, I want to look at God's promises and Abraham's faith. Secondly, I want to look at how Abraham says, here I am. Thirdly, let's look at how we can say, here I am, in our lives. And then to finish, we'll see how this story points to Jesus' perfect act of sacrifice. So first of all, God's promises and Abraham's faith. As we've seen in this sermon series from Genesis 12 onwards, God made promises to Abraham and and to Sarah that they would be parents of a great nation, that all families of the, the earth would be blessed through them, that they'd have a multitude of children, that God would establish a land for them. But they don't have a child at this point. And then when the promise of a son comes to them in their old age, Sarah in particular, at the age of 90, finds that promise that she could possibly have a child laughable. I mean, Abraham was 100 years old, which is why when the miracle child is born, he's named Isaac, which means laughter. I don't think I really grasped how amazing this was, how miraculous it was, how funny it was, until Simon unpacked it in last week's sermon, and it was, it's been chuntering away in the back of my head ever since. What a miracle, what an amazing thing to happen to them. Imagine the joy, imagine their delight. This elderly, childless couple promised to become parents, to have a son, and then this wonderful, giggling bundle, miracle in their lives. And so God has made these promises to Abraham and his family and his descendants and then says in verse 2, if we look at it together, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. I think it's key to see that this passage stands in the context of the rest of the Abrahamic narrative. It stands in a specific time for a specific person chosen by God who'd received those unique promises. Of course, it's it's not to be imitated or taken out of context. And, And God makes clear in other texts, in Leviticus 18, Jeremiah 7, Ezekiel 20, that child sacrifice is expressly forbidden. Of course, no child sacrifice took place here and the readers or the hearers of this at the time would immediately see that God didn't allow it to happen. 
contradicting what they were seeing in Israel, in, in other places around Israel, um, bordering it at the time. But even with that knowledge, it still remains a jarring story. And I think this ask of God would have hit Abraham like a thunderbolt. But with all these promises from God, he had a rock-like faith that God would either stop the knife or would raise Isaac from the dead. I was really interested that in Hebrews, in chapter 11, verse 19, we get an insight into what Abraham was thinking. It says, he, Abraham, considered the fact that God is able even to raise someone from the dead. So I think it's fascinating that we can see the faith of Abraham in the rock-like faith in the promises of God early on in this passage. In verse 5, if we look at it, you can see how Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. We will come back to you. Notice how the text includes both Abraham and Isaac in the return journey. Abraham believes that God will intervene. And consider Isaac's question about where the lamb for the sacrifice would come from. Abraham responds in verse 8. Look at verse 8. God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. It seems Abraham prepared himself to do what God had asked of him, but he expected something else to happen. So what we can immediately see is that Abraham has absolute faith, faith that God is trustworthy and will bless him and his family. Abraham trusts God, even though it's puzzling and challenging, to say the least. So we see here God's promises and Abraham's faith. If we move on to the second point, we start to see here where Abraham says, here I am. With this context of the promise to Abraham, him being the father of many nations that have numerous descendants, and this all depended on this much-loved son, Isaac, I've pondered this week how Abraham felt when he uttered that first, here I am. It's in verse 1. Was he confident at that point? Was he really hopeful and optimistic? And I thought perhaps he was. Life must have been going well at that time. His family was settled. He could see the promise of God becoming true. His son was growing. Those promises are being fulfilled. Or, when I was reading, I suddenly thought, well, actually, was he apprehensive? Did he know that a test might be coming? I've read that how in Jewish tradition it tells us that Abraham had, had ten tests, ten trials, and withstood every one of them. I suppose the answer is we don't know. We don't know how Abraham felt here, but what we do know is that he was immediately responsive in verse 1. He was immediately present to God. God called and Abraham said, Here I am. In Hebrew, it's hineni, which in its fullest kind of context speaks of complete presence, to being totally at someone's service. And then, as he heard God's instructions, I think we can hazard a guess as to what Abraham was feeling. It must have been horror, astonishment. Think of all the promises that rest on Isaac. What was he to do? What was he to say? And all we read in this passage is that 
Abraham was immediately present and respondent. He was immediately willing. And in verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning. We see obedient faith in action. And so he went on his way with his son. And he heard another voice. This time it's Isaac's voice. And we see it in verse 7. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. He says, Here I am, to Isaac, he me. Here I am. Abraham is completely present and attentive to God and equally attentive to his beloved, precious son. And I do think the Hebrew prose of this story is beautiful, it's succinct. Abraham does what God demands and journeys with his son. Abraham doesn't say much. Isaac seems to say even less. I've been contemplating that this week. What what were they saying? What were they talking about? And we're left to imagine that. But look at verse 6. It says, So the two of them walked on together, together in purpose, together in love. And again again in verse 8, it says the same again. So the two of them walked on together. They are on an important journey together. And then finally, verse 11 But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. A third, here I am. And how does Abraham feel now? Is he tired? Is he exhausted? Is he relieved? Is he joyous, exultant? I don't know. But what I do know is that Abraham was obedient. He was present. He was faithful. And so this week, as as I've been studying and praying through this passage, I've reflected on how I can, how we can say, here I am in faithful obedience to the Lord, like Abraham. And here are a few of my thoughts for us to consider and reflect on. I think we can follow Abraham by listening and responding to God our Father. Abraham's immediate response of here I am when God called is a reminder of actively listening for God's call and voice in our own lives. In our busy world, a world where there are so many competing priorities, whether that's mobile devices, apps, people vying for our attention, I think it's more crucial than ever in the society in which we live to find space for prayer and reflection to discern God's will in our lives. I'm personally finding the Bible app Lectio 365, really helpful at the moment. 
Um, I came along to the six o'clock service with my eldest son Daniel um, last year and Cam was doing something with the youth and there was a station over here which was Lectio 365 and I downloaded it thinking I'll never use it and I'm actually at this point finding Lectio 365 unbelievably helpful. It takes in a number of Bible verses each day, it's got a short theme on which to meditate and pray but also it always leaves space to listen to God. And uh, with a young family and a busy job, I often find it hard to carve out quality time to pray and actively listen for God's voice. And at the moment, that app, on the way to work or just before I start work, is a wonderful space for me. And um, just last Monday, I felt pressure from work and other things for... Um, for a number of, of reasons and I thought oh, I just need to get into get stuck into stuff and I thought no I'm going to take time to open my app spend some time with God read some um, verses and I really found strength and peace by listening and being with God that morning and during that quiet listening time I found, found a, a gentle guidance as well that helped me during the day and I was able to give thanks at the end of the day So I think my first thought is we can say, here I am, by being open to listening to God this week. I think we can also say, here I am, in the uncertainties of our own life journeys. Abraham's journey to Mount Moriah in this story was a step into the unknown. And likewise, our faith journey often, I think, involves uncertainty. Maybe we don't know we're doing the right thing. Maybe we don't know we're in the right job. Maybe we don't know if we're living in the right area. We thought that when we were in Peckham and deciding whether we should move back north to Sheffield. Maybe we're not investing our time in the right areas. Where should we invest our money? Or maybe we're worrying about debt. Maybe we're concerned about how we're managing our relationships with family and and friends. Maybe you're here this morning and don't believe in God, but you're curious, you're you're searching. What we see in this passage, in our life journeys, in our faith journeys, is that God is a God of provision. We see that. That is what he's called in this passage. God of provision, Jehovah Jireh. And I think we see in this passage that God provides for those who turn up and say, here I am, in all of this, he provides, God is a God who provides answers. He provides wisdom, understanding, peace, joy, leading, purpose. And I think the intervention of God in this situation happens when there is faithful obedience on earth. And maybe that act of faith for us this morning is to say, Lord, I trust that you are in the midst of this situation that I'm in. I'll trust you and I'll take this act and I'll put it before you, Lord, for you to guide. Maybe it's to say in your heart for the first time this morning, Lord, I love you. I accept you. Please forgive me. Mold me into the person that you created me to be. Maybe that's how we say, here I am on our own life, faith journeys this morning. God certainly provides for us on our journey. And I also think we can say, here I am, by presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. 
Like Abraham, God calls us to surrender our desires and comforts for his purpose. St. Paul to the Romans says on this subject, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is um, an act of the will to offer all of ourselves to God, all of our lives. Sacrifice means that there will be a cost. There was a cost to Abraham, for Abraham. A Christian calling, a calling to follow Jesus is not an easy life. It's not a life where we can just go with the flow or or ignore the needs of others. We need to say, here I am to God. We need to say, here I am to the needs of others, to love our neighbor. And I was trying to think, how do I know if I'm living my life as presenting my body as a living sacrifice? And I remembered a talk from years ago that I heard that somebody just stood at the front and said, when your mind rests or when it hits the pillow, what does it rest on? What's your magnetic north? What's the focus of your life? Are you thinking about the football team you support, Sheffield Wednesday? Are you thinking about how you're esteemed at work? Are you thinking about promotions? Are you thinking about money in the bank? Are you thinking about the car that you drive? Are you thinking about all your plans for the future? Or are you thinking about what God wants? Are you willing to think about the sacrifices you need to make to live for God in the place that you are at the moment? And he finished that talk by saying, where is your magnetic north? And so maybe that's a question for us this morning. Where is our magnetic north? But, But God is clear. If we want a great life, a fulfilling life, life at its best, then this is the life. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Then this is the life to which we're called. But we're not called to give ourselves as a living sacrifice out of duty or guilt, but in response to what God has done for us. And that's the great promise of life, of eternal life. And this story we've read this morning points unambiguously to God's ultimate sacrifice. God sent his son to be sacrificed for us. We live lives in response to that. And so, as I finish, this is my fourth point. This this story points to Jesus' perfect act of sacrifice. And it's not hard to be struck by the parallels between this story that we've read this morning and are looking at and the story of Jesus. Both Isaac and Jesus are long-awaited beloved sons who are born in miraculous circumstances. Both sons carry the wood that is to be the instrument of their deaths on their back. In both stories, the father leads the son up a mountain and the son follows obediently towards his own death. And in both scenarios, God provides the sacrificial substitute, which for for Abraham is a ram. And in the Gospels, we see it's Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus is the true Isaac. Abraham and Isaac point beyond themselves to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ. This story, in many ways, is a prophetic reenactment of Jesus' death and resurrection to save each one of us here, to save humanity. 
An exchange happens in that the ram goes in the place of Isaac. This points to the greater exchange that happens on the cross. The Son of God in place of the sin of humanity. So that we can be washed clean. So that we can be forgiven. We can trust in the love God has for us and in the promises he has made to us. When we look to Jesus, we can see perfect, faithful obedience and God's love for all of us in all its fullness. So to this loving, sacrificial, forgiving Father God, let's say, here I am today. Amen.